The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheeled buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona, and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPNTucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host, and also with me this morning, my buddy Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for all your towing needs. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, everybody out there in cyberspace. Remember, I'm on the radio this morning, so that makes it a super safe Saturday. And with all the rain we've been having, it's <laughs> super critical to be super safe today so you don't slide off the road and be stuck. What's going on with the rain, big guy? What did you see hey, out on a- the road in the last few days, Coach? <laughs> we hear about it, but well, you're right there in it. So what's going on? So, you know, we, we talk about this all the time every week um but we'll go over it again um when you see water running across the roads you don't go through it so the other day if you see a car that went through the water in the road and it's stuck in the middle of the water in the road okay so the water's running and the car went through and it died right because it got wet that doesn't mean drive around it Okay, you don't drive around the edge of it thinking you're going to get by in the grass. Don't drive around the side. That means stop. Just stop and turn around. Because if somebody already tried it once and failed, you you know, don't try it again thinking that you're going to have a better chance at it than they did. Um, So, yeah, when you see the car already stuck in the wash, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good sign just to turn around and drive the other direction. I mean, you could take a photo and say, hey, look, this guy did it wrong. But don't be the other guy that goes, uh, I did it wrong, too. You know, somebody tried it once and, and messed it up, and now I'm going to try it again and mess it up also. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, we, we talked about this, Jerry. <laughs> um, you know, it, it occurred to me the other day as I was driving home, and it was pitch black at night. Not a cloud cover, not a moonlight, nothing. You know, if you approach one of those water crossings and it's dark, you really can't see anything. In fact, all you can see is the white lines disappear into the abyss. 
you have no idea what you're doing. You have there's no way to even have any idea how deep the water is. You can't even see the other side. So on top of not driving into it, when it's dark, really, really, really don't drive into it because well, then you're just going to be stuck in the middle of the wash. So um, if you are traveling down a road and you find you think you're going to be uh, um, running across a, a, a wash or a barrier. You know, find a different route. Ch- check out your route, your routing before you go that way. So that's what's happening on the roads. Other than that, it's normal. It's the normal breakdown stuff. The normal, the normal. Uh, you know, my my car won't start. My death system clunked out on me. You know, we never really talk about death that much, do we, Jerry? Uh, a little no, bit. not much. Uh, it's kind of kind of critical if you own a diesel. Uh, the really diff, uh, there. Believe it, or, believe it or not, I was doing a bunch of research this week on it and seeing what what is out there and what's going on with the diff. And uh, they're claiming there's a little bit of shortage going on with the diff, which is the uh, diesel exhaust fluid, and the. Uh, I guess there are different brands that they're indicating some of them are better as a diesel fluid, diesel exhaust fluid, than the others. Uh, I personally haven't experienced it yet because, you know, you go in and you buy and you get, all of a sudden the store's got a couple of, uh, you know, it's got specials on the on the two-and-a-half-gallon bottles of DEF. So you just pick up a bottle of DEF because it says DEF on it. You figure that, okay, it's got to have something in there that works or it wouldn't be sold. And uh, then I find out that uh, there's some that's better than the others. Uh, at least that's what they're claiming. But then again, it could be a marketing ploy. Like I said, I haven't been able to check it out. But the diesel, the warranty on my diesel, on my death, on my 218, says that eventually you will have to replace that stuff. I mean, you've got some little uh, monitors in there that are electronic that actually do fail, and according to Brian Fuller, Mr. Test First Don't Guess, some of those monitors are not available right now because they're like back order, and uh, I didn't get a chance to go in-depth with Brian because he's so busy over there on that, but uh, so yeah, it's it's a little issue, and parts availability and parts quality is not what it was prior to the COVID thing. And, uh, you know, so everybody's having to dance to the same song. So just be careful out there. Just be careful. Uh, you know, I was watching the news, I think it was yesterday, and I've seen these two school buses over in uh, off of Sandario Road. And it, I'm, I'm familiar with that road and where that wash is. And uh, it showed one school bus over to the right that looked like it was buried on the right side. And I think that's where the road actually caved away when the bus went over. Uh, and these are huge buses. They're not the small school buses. They're the great big ones. And then, of course, they had a bunch of kids on, and they transferred them all out. Everybody's safe. But that is a project, and that's just to let you know that we're not kidding about going across these washes. This is not a joke. That's a big, monster school bus that I seen sitting blocked down on the right-hand side, and it looked like it was it had run off the road or the pavement gave away under it. 
when the water washes across this road, it has a couple of choices. One is just go across the road and hit level ground on the other side and just keep on moving. But if it starts to undercut the asphalt, then that is a weak spot. And when you put a big load on it or a car load on it, it can give way and then you're setting. You're, you're there and you're in peril. But when you put <coughs> a bunch of school kids on it, it, it's hard to estimate or guesstimate, I should say, how deep the water is there. And I'm, I was kind of surprised to see that there's, I, I didn't see any road signs on it that showed what the water depth is, like going through Pantano off of uh, South Harrison. It, you don't have a level that you can gauge by. And when you've got flowing water and it's running at the speed that some of this stuff runs, it only takes about 12, 15 inches to move an automobile off. And these cars are so low now to the ground because of that's the way they are now. Uh, when you get that much water and, and it's got speed to it, then it'll just move it on off the road. You know, I'm, it's it's kind of kind of dangerous. So, um, you know, don't tra- don't drown. I think is a word. Don't drown. Turn around. And go back. You know, nothing is worth your life. You got yeah. You may be late for work. Trust me. The guys at work will understand why you're late if they know the road. If not, just take a picture of it and show them when you get in. Say, hey, I couldn't get across here. It's my normal route of travel. So it's, it's, it's all maneuverable. It's all flexible, and you can do it without getting fired or something stupid like that. So just be careful when you're out there. Um, uh, speaking you, of you know, traveling. That's a- well, that's a great point, Jerry. You know, you're talking about the buses, the buses out there. Um, what happens, you know, when we talk about crossing roads, you know, we think about pavement. But when you're in the, when you're out there on the dirt, just because a lot of roads out west are dirt, um, the road, for some reason, the 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 mud on the west side of town is very slippery. I mean, I'm not kidding you, folks. This it's the four-wheel drive's got nothing on this stuff. It will pull you off the edge of the road like nobody's business. And I didn't think it would happen until, well, I've done it a long time, and I've been sucked off the road a bunch. The road gets wet, and you'll be driving straight, and you'll start to slip. And then all, and it doesn't matter how much you turn the wheel or how much, how many lockers you got on your truck. That the little bit of road crown will slide you off, and you'll be in the ditch every single time. And if you're trying to cross a running stream, well, that's actually just the wash. They made the road out of the wash. This is where the water runs, so let's just make the road there. That's how it gets on the west side of town. <laughs> you're going to be in the water in the wash. And when you try and get in that, the water, there's not any roadbed there to work with because it's already sand. So as you're working out there, you're, you're going to get stuck. There ain't no way around it. You have to, it happens all the time, and especially now because it's rained and it's saturated, and you can just be driving along normally. I don't care if it's a four-wheel drive. I don't care how big it is. That If you don't navigate that perfect, you're going to slide off into the ditch at where they've graded the road, and there you are. You're stuck up to your axle. I don't care if it's a Prius. I don't care if it's a lifted 4 by. I don't care if it's a semi-truck. They get stuck, and it's quite it's quite amazing how how easily 
the road just will pull you off to the side because it just it, it and you can't stop it. You can hit the brakes and all of a sudden you just slide into the ditch and there you sit. And now you got to get out. And that's like Jerry was talking about the school buses. That's a whole new ordeal. And so when you're when you're thinking about it, you know, if you live out there, you understand the the pitfalls. You've already you've been stuck already. You have the toe strap and the friend hopefully can pull you out, or you have me to pull you out, or you or you just know when not to go. You know when not to drive. If you've never driven out there, and do me a favor and just wait till like you know October when it quits raining out there, then you can drive out there. <laughs> you're just going to get stuck. Uh, I, I really think that people uh, are a little remiss when they 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 see the water and they assume it's only water. No, people, it's, it's not only water. only water. It has logs. It has rocks. It has everything coming down the the uh, out of the ravines into the roadway, and you don't know what's under there because. It normally floats at just a little bit under the top of the water, so you can't see it. And at night, I don't even go out at night now when it's raining. I just stay home because I have seen stuff. I have turned around because I didn't like it. When you're riding down the road and the road disappears, and you, it, but yet it still looks like it's flat, no. <laughs> when that white line leaves, and it's okay. When you look at the posted speed limits, now I've been on, I've seen this going down the speedway with the uh, rain and some water running across the roads, and people knowing the road, people will come flying by me because I'm running probably 35 and they need to run 55 because they've got to get to someplace really important, I guess. So they come hauling by me and I'm going, guy, that is not the smartest thing you can possibly do. And I look at it from two perspectives. Number one, you hit that water at 55 miles an hour, and one, you're going to put a rooster's tail up on both sides of the car. You're going to be pushing water with the front of the car. And these things, most, all your little, well, most of your little cars now have turbos on them. Diesels have turbos on them. And the air inlet's up about uh, 18 to 24 inches above the ground. And so when you hit that and you suck the water into that engine, you have water does not compress. You will have damage to the engine when you do that, when it locks up. You'll have water in the turbo. You need oil in the turbo. You don't need water in the turbo. And when you pump that water through, it goes on into the engine. It goes into the cylinders. It locks the motor up, and there you are. So instead of slowing down and going through it like uh, – respecting what you're seeing there because mother nature don't care i mean you go through a wash it wants to take your car it's going to take your car so why go through the wash because you're not bigger than mother nature i know that's a that's a that's a news flash but you're not bigger than mother nature especially in this unpredicted monsoon season i've had four and a half inches at my house in 50 minutes during this monsoon and that was quite entertaining i mean it rained on the top of my doors under the porch on the back porch on the the living room door it rained on top of the the door the windows and um so it's just something that you really need to pay attention to just don't, don't get in trouble now the tire industry they come out 
And they said the normal depth of a tire before you replace it is two thirty seconds of an inch. And the tire industry said if you're running on a wet road, you need about a four thirty seconds of an inch in order to get the water to bleed off out of the tire, to shoot it away from the tire so that you can still make contact with the road. Well, uh, that's that's just uh, based on you know just a wet road exactly what it is with just a little bit of water on it from rain it's coming down, but if you go through uh, water that's five or six inches, I don't care how much tread you got on the bottom of the tire, you still need to get it to the road. It depends on what speed you're running, and you know I, I keep alluding back to NASCAR. NASCAR runs twenty inch tires wide on the back, all four tires, and yet. When they when they go in, they they like driving on ice the entire time that these guys are driving, and of course they don't have they have the wet weather tires that I've seen a show and it was so horrific they actually changed uh, what deems to be too wet to race. So if NASCAR can't manage to get through the water without sliding all over the countryside, uh, you really think you're going to pull it off? Uh, just think again, Excellent but be point. safe, be safe. So uh, it's point. just, and you're, but check your tires and make sure. Now, like I said, the tire depth is to the top of the head on a penny on the face, on the face of the penny. And you, it says, if you, if it just barely touches the top, then you should be good to go and you don't have to replace your tires. Well, that's two thirty seconds of an inch. If you move it on up to about half of that head on that penny or a third of the head on the penny, you should be well into the four thirty second range. And then you can, you know, feel a little bit safer. And I just thought it was a good uh, FYI to uh, put it out there on the 430 seconds for wet roads. But, I mean, if you got a 230-second tire and they're recommended 430 seconds for wet, 230 seconds on dry, you're probably all right. 430 seconds on on dry is going to be good, but it's going to be better on wet than a 230 seconds. So just that's just a little FYI. It's for your information. You're the one buying tires, and I'll I'll be the first one to say tires are not cheap. And if you can buy the right tire for the particular car that you're driving, because everything has changed. Everything. All right. What do you got you want to add to that, big guy? When you're testing your tire with the, with the penny, you know, you put it in upside down so Lincoln's head is in the tire. Test. You have to test the smallest part of the tire. Sometimes tires don't wear perfectly even, folks. They... So, because of right. maintenance issues or wear issues or driving habits. Sometimes one side of the tire is more, more than the other side of the tire. So you don't test the tall side, you test the short side. So if, there's, if, if you're driving along, if you're looking at your tire and there's parts that are thinner than the other parts, you test the thinnest part. I, I know that, does, that seems um, uh, logical, but... Uh, if, a lot of people just go out and go, oh, I got, I got 8.30 seconds on one side, and on the other side it's wire showing. So um, you want to make sure you test the, the thinnest right. part of the tire so that you get, you get it. And if you don't know what to do, 
it, if you don't know, just go seek out a tire professional. They'll help you because because they do this for a living. Just like Jerry, just like I tow cars, and Jerry fixes them. If you don't seek out a tire professional, they'll tell you, and then they'll tell you all the other things that go on with tires: the side cracks, the side walls, the the damage, the bruises, the curb hits. You know all the things that you don't even know what you what what happens with the tire, the abuse that a tire takes, and they can point out pitfalls for where you might that might keep you going another day versus having a blowout. So if you don't know what to do, seek out a tire professional. They can they can really assist you. Take some. Ten minutes or less, you can, and they can walk. You can you can you can use that penny to tell you what the condition of your tires are, and actually, it'll it'll indicate whether or not you may need a front end alignment uh, to put the tire back on the ground. But the biggest problem is checking tire pressures. You're supposed to check tire pressures once every thirty days at least, and keep them up to the recommended. And if you have a low tire you're going to wear out both sides of the tire on the outside and the inside before you wear out the middle. If you have an overinflated tire, you're going to be wearing out the middle of the tire before it wears out the outside because you got too much air in it. So it's just a, a little gauge that you can use without a gauge. But for the ones of you that don't uh, have a tire gauge, get you a little tire gauge, get you a digital, and it'll tell you how much pressure you've got in each tire. Check your tires on a regular balance. If you have one tire that's got 26 and your tire pressure monitor comes on and says, well, like on my diesel, it tells me and it tells Chrysler Corporation what my tire pressure is. And when it goes down and you've got 26 pounds and you're supposed to have 80, you still got a tire that's rolling but it is wearing it out. It's scrubbing the tread off of it when you get down to that. And so you go in and or you you pump it up at the house and then you take it and you drive it and then all of a sudden your tire pressure monitor comes on again. You need to do yourself a favor. Go in and pull the nail out of the uh, out of the tire or pull the uh, screw, sheet metal screw is the biggest common thing that I found in mine because there's construction all over this town. And these little nails and stuff that are put in the back end of trucks, you know, I remember when somebody dumped a case of nails over on Tanker Verde Overpass. And that was a mess. That was a mess. That caused a lot of flat tires. In fact, I think it was nine flat tires within 150 yards. And some of them, they just go down slow. Some of them go down in a hurry. And either way, you don't want a flat tire way out there playing. And on a tire, when you stick a nail or screw to the side uh, off the edge of the tread on a tire, and it goes to the side of the sidewall, that cannot be repaired unless you have an old farm tractor and you don't really care. But you can go ahead and get ready because you're going to be buying a tire. If you have these cars that are speed rated, like a lot of them are now, your Chargers, your Mustangs, your Camaros, those big bad boys, and your foreign cars that have this high speed rating on it, and when you get ready to buy that tire, you're going to spend a lot more money than you are with a a base tire. Don't get the cheapest tire on the market, but don't buy the most expensive one if you can get away from it. But you do need to have the same speed rating on the tire that is called for for that particular vehicle. 
So when you go in and say, okay, the last time I bought a, a set of tires was three years ago, and I had a, I had a, a, a little little lightweight car, and it had a four cylinder in it. It wasn't turbocharged, and so you know, and I paid X number of dollars for it. You paid ninety dollars for the tire, for example, and now. You go in and you've got this brand new car. Let's take a charger. You've got a charger that requires the high speed rated tires and you go in to buy that son of a gun. And now you're at $225 a tire and you say, Oh, I think I'll just get the cheap tire, cheap ones and put on it. Tire companies have to sell you and are only supposed to put on the speed rated tire that matches the vehicle that they're putting a tire on. Uh, because if you don't and something happens to it, there's a liability issue. So don't think because you paid $90 for a tire two years ago, you're going to pay $90 for a tire now. Uh, the ones that uh, go on these mid mid-size trucks are around uh, anywhere from 190 to about 275 300 depending on what you get. Now, they're, they're coming out with the late model cars. Some of them already got them on them, which is a run-flat tires. Wait, when you replace a run flat, you replace a tire. Boy, you know it because this doesn't got right into your wallet. And you, but you can run them. They say they'll run flat. Yeah, they will run flat for a little while. You can't run them flat forever. And now they've come out with new technology on tires, which is called a no air tire. And it's where if they go, you know, they'll, they'll, the sidewalls, the the run flats actually have heavier sidewalls in them, and that's what keeps them up when they're running flat. On the other tires, no air tires, they are a special formula on the inside, made of uh, rubber, on the inside where it almost looks like a honeycomb effect where you roll the tire. It's got to have some movement or the ride would be so rough you wouldn't be able to handle it. So they've got no air tires that you're testing, have been tested for quite some time. And some of the uh, dealers or the manufacturers are starting to use them now in these cars. But when you take uh, these tires are no longer with a five and six inch sidewalls, they're down to two and a half inch sidewalls. And when they go flat, you're almost on the rim. And so it's just, it's it's quite a little ordeal where it used to be just go buy a tire and put it on. That's not the way it is now. So if you take care of your tire, if you've got tires that take air, check the air pressure in them once a month. Buy you a little digital gauge. Cost you maybe $7. And that's easy to read. All you do is take the valve cap off and you put Put it on there and read what it says, and then you hit the release, go to the next tire, check all four tires, and your spare. The spare is only, it's kind of like having a mechanic. They're not worth a crap unless you need one and don't have one. And so when you do that, make sure that your spare tire is good so that when you do take off, uh, you've got a spare tire. Make sure you have a jack. If you have a car that has a can of fix a flat in it, you may not even have a jack on in that car. So check and make sure you have a jack, some way to jack that car up. Look around the side of the cars and see where the jack is supposed to go. And you'll see a, a little cutout or you'll see a little uh, extra piece of metal welded onto the frame that you put the jack under and jack it up. 
But you need to know this before you get on the road, if you're changing a tire. For the ones of us that's been around more than a, a couple of decades, <laughs> we, we, we're used to slide it under, put it on the frame, and go up. You don't have a frame. You have a unibody, uh, and they have little extra pads on the unibody down on the bottom where you put your jack and jack it up. One, it's to tell you the proper place to jack this tire up. But you need to know it before you go out and blow a tire in the middle of the evening and it's dark and you've got to change that son of a gun. You need to make sure you've got everything from a lug wrench, jack, a properly aired up spare tire in order to pull this little trick off. If a road is really hot, take your floor mats out of the back of the car and put it down where you put your knees when you're squatting down doing all of this. And that's... That's all I can say. You know, if you get the car off the road, get the car off the road. If it's got a sand base, you're going to need something to set the jack on in order to jack it up without it pushing down in the sand. So, you know, you need some little blocks that you can get. You can go buy them at a uh, RV place, and they cost about $4 a piece. And it's and they weigh nothing, but they work great. So that's my my tip on the tires. You got anything you want to add to that, Jim? The the little blocks that the RVers have, um, they're for for a jack. They they work really well. They're sometimes if you're looking for them, um, they're the little pads that go under the foot seat, or they're the little leveling pads that the RVers use to level their RV up when they're sitting on a kind of a crooked area and their jacks don't work right. But they're right. a little a little pads right. about maybe eight eight by eight or ten by ten. A little usually orange or yellow is what they sell them for, and that they're they're not. You're right, Jerry. They're really not very expensive. You could cut up some three quarter plywood, but I would think that's more expensive than these things are today, because of the cost of plywood. It is. But but the little pad works pretty cool. Um, it, it allows you to get yourself a, a nice stable area, and that's a really really good recommendation. If there there may be. You can stack them too. They are, they're stackable, so you can stack two or three on top of each other to get some distance. But they're like about an inch thick, maybe an inch and a half thick, and um, they'll support the jack. Mm-hmm. And you can just put you put your jack right up there, and it makes a really really good stable level base. Because if you try and do it on the on the side of the road or in the dirt or in the mud, and and the thing slips and falls over, you know, even if you're not under the car, which don't ever get under the car when you're trying to jack jack the thing up. I know that's a little challenging, but don't do it. Um, but even if you got the thing up and you're trying to change the tire and it, and it wobbles and falls over, you're in a whole worse situation now because now the car is sitting on the ground and you really your jack's under the car, tipped over on its side, and you can't get underneath it at all. Now you really have an issue. So um, that's a that makes it for a real t- challenging thing, real challenging day. So, yeah. but yeah, the little plastic, yes, it the little does. plastic block is. Yeah, that plastic box is a really good idea. I don't know why we never said that before, but that's a, actually a really, really good idea. So, not to, not trying to have you guys carry a complete toolbox, you know, a, a roll cab in the back of your car, but you know, there are a couple things that make you, make your life a little easier. So, yeah, the little plastic there. blocks. Uh, well, the little plastic blocks. Uh, we're always self-conscious about how much weight we put in the car because it takes fuel to move the weight. 
and they weigh virtually nothing. Anybody can pick up one of those little plastic pads and put it down under a jack. On the motorhomes, uh, the ones that use the hydraulic uh, jacks to go under it, uh, when you get, when you go to jacking one of those up, uh, you just, you got a little more clearance on the motorhome than you do under a car, but you still have to have a solid ground under that jack in order for it to work proper. And when you start jacking that thing up, yeah, it's a pain in the butt because when you get ready to jack up a hydraulic jack under the back end of a motorhome, you're basically under the motorhome when you're actually, you're trying to jack that thing up. So you want to make sure that you've got enough room that if that jack rolls over, it doesn't bounce on top of you because that motorhome weighs a lot of it's a lot of weight, and you don't want that thing to bounce on top of you. So make sure that the only thing that you have under that jack, as you put it as close to the wheel as you can possibly get it, put it on a stand. Make sure. That when you move it up, if it looks like that jack is moving or leaning while you're jacking it up, and you can see it, if it's leaning or moving any, like to the side, you get out from under it, you put that jack, reposition your jack, and reposition the pad, and make sure that you've got it going up straight, because it needs a straight jack on these things. And you have to make sure that it doesn't rotate and, and roll the whole coach off of it. That's the reason you put it to close to the end of the tire that you're working on from the inside out. Put it on the, on the housing as close as you can get it to the tire. In the event that it rolls over, two things are going to happen. You'll probably be able to go in and get that little bottle jack out of there. Or... Uh, at least it's not going to fall on you while you're actually pulling a tire. And once that thing is up in the air, go ahead and put your weight against the side of the motorhome or side of the car. Try to shake it and see if that stand under the bottom, the jack, or if you've got a stand, go ahead and back it up with a stand. And that that I recommend really high. I, I carry both in my vehicles. And that way, if you set it down on a stand, and you say, okay, I've got the stand under, the stand is set. Now, is this thing going to move? Well, if it's going to move, let it move before you get under there, before you start pulling the tire. Go ahead and shake it. See if it wants to fall off. If it don't want to fall off, then you're pretty safe. But don't be afraid to shake it. It's better for it to fall when you're not around it or under it or have a tire almost off and it slams back toward you. So... Just if you'll do that, you'll you'll probably have a successful tire exchange. But on the motorhome, just like everything else, check your spare tire at the same. Well, it's a little harder to check because they're mounted in different locations. Most of the motorhomes are mounted on the outside, which is a piece of cake, just a piece of cake. But that tire is also exposed to the UVs and direct sunlight, and all it's doing is sitting there cooking. So it can crack, it can be dry rotted, and you have a cover on it, that'll give you a little bit more life on it. But if you don't have the cover on it, you can bet your hind end that that tire is dry rotted and is dry rotting faster than the ones that you have under the coach and on the coach itself. So there, there's a little heads up. All right, and if you're, cabin and if, air filters. If you got, 
Well, well, let me finish one more thing on your tire. Go ahead. When, when, Go ahead. when you got your RV tire on the back outside there, or even if it's underneath, if for on the fifth wheels or the bumper poles, that are, they stash them underneath the, the unit, which is a good place sometimes. Sometimes it's not such a good place because it can be a bear to get out. Um, before you put it on, lay it down. Um, if it's been exposed to the sun at all, lay it down on the ground and take your foot and stand on the sidewall. And if you can see, when you stand on the sidewall, if you can see cracks come out, that tire is not any good. Okay. It may not be readily apparent. You may not, you may not see them as you're looking at them, but if you can step on them and flex the sidewall just a little bit, um, cracks will, if it's a bad tire, cracks will appear and you just look like a spider web of cracks all running along the side of the tire. Yep. That means that tire is no good. It's used up. It's wore out. It's no good. I know the tread looks perfect on it, but that's all it looks perfect on. So just a quick tip. You stand on that thing, put two, one foot up there, put two foot up there. You know, put a, put a, you know, a broom handle on it and just push on it. And you'll see, you'll see when it deflects, you'll see the cracks will just immediately pop right in, out, up, and you'll see them. So um, if one's been sitting out and you're unsure about the condition, just do that real quick. Either side, you can you try well, the try that was the side that was exposed to the sun, but either side should work. You could try either side and find out whether or not um, those cracks are exist because when they do, uh, you're, in, you're you're living on you're living on seriously borrowed time because that thing is going to come apart while driving, and you might make it a mile or two, you might make it 15 feet. But it'll it'll come apart, and the tread's going to come off, and then and it's going to rip up the side of the coach. It's going to rip up the side of the fifth wheel or, or the bumper pole. It's going to do all kinds of damage, and then you're going to be back again without another tire. So before you go, check that. That's my little tip on tires. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. All right, moving on to cabin air filters. All right, we got high humidity and dirt. What happens when you have high humidity and dirt and then you have a filter that all this stuff has got to go through? If your vehicle starts getting a musky smell, like right now, a musty smell, it's time to change that cabin air filter. I don't care if you changed it four months ago. Cabin air filters, uh, they recommend them. Oh, yeah, you can drive them uh, two years. And then we recommend, no, you can't, not in Tucson, Arizona. You can drive them anywhere from six months to 12 months. Then you need to have it, uh, you need to change it. They don't cost that much. You go down to Merle's Auto Supply or any other parts house that you're, of your choice. I use Merle's because I like the WIC filter, W-I-X filter. That seems to be the best one that I've had. I changed the OE out of my Dodge and went to the WIC filter because I like the construction of it better. But change that cabin air filter and brian fuller has explained it to you what happens if you don't i've tried to explain to you what happens if it don't not only do you pick up a cleaner smell inside the cabin it takes the resistance it allows the little motor and the modules inside to operate without overheating as quickly because airflow is what cools down the the stuff as it goes upstream to come into the cabin of the vehicle. If the cabin air filter is plugged, it's just like an air filter on a car. 
It's going to plug. It's going to affect the runnability of the car. It's going to affect the fuel economy of the car. Well, cabin air filter affects the runnability of the little motor that feeds out the vents uh, and the smell and the contamination, the mold, and everything else that gets in those things. So change your cabin air filter. Six months or 12 months, I do mine at probably anywhere between six months and 12 months on all my vehicles. I don't have one on the Mustang, though. I wish I did, but I don't. So that's uh, anything you want to add to the cabin air? The cabin air filter, yeah, they're 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 pretty they're pretty cheap. They're they're sometimes kind of a pain to change. I know it doesn't think that way, but sometimes you got to crawl underneath there, if, and you know get your contortionist uh, shell on to get them done. But um, yeah, the uh, the dirt on them not only not only does it it slow the motors because you're putting so much drag on them because of the of the air restriction, but the the as the dirt flows through, it coats the rest of you like your evaporators and your heater core. Now, heater core you can probably get away with, but once you get the evaporator with dirt on it, it quits working. And when it does work, you get mud coming out of it, but it quits working. And your AC quits getting cooler. And it starts having to work a lot harder. And when, you're, when your AC is working harder, it, the compressor takes a load and a toll. And when the compressor fails, now you're upside down. So that eight dollar replacement now turned into two thousand dollars worth of uh worth of um repairs. So yeah, it's it's a simple thing. If you don't right. know what to do, um that, that there are a lot of people that can help you change them. But um just can, and, and you'll notice the you'll notice the um the the interior of your of your passenger compartment will be much nicer. Um they do help eliminate a lot oh, of yeah. smell. Help the they 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 get rid of a lot of things, especially if you got kids running around the car and food everywhere. You know, so remember that stuff filtering the air yeah. through. So it actually does have have trap help trap a lot of uh, a lot of um of the smells that go through. So you know, just like just like the the filter and the goes, other you know you're right go ahead, right filtered home supposed to be changed every thirty days. Uh, when you get uh, and the air conditioning, right now when we drive around and we pull into the parking space, pull back in on top of the concrete or whatever you've got for parking, and you've got water coming out from under the car, that's a good thing. That tells you that that bleed system off your air conditioning is working like it's supposed to. That little hose that goes down to the bottom of the car that takes the water out of the, the inside, out of the uh, AC system, uh, as long as you've got water coming out, you're pretty safe. But when the water stops coming out, which is something that you probably won't catch for a while, uh, you're going to start picking up uh, issues with the air conditioning. Uh, it needs to get that water out of there, just like on a house unit, anything else. It's got to release the water that it's accruing because it's drying everything out and it's got collecting the moisture. You can go under the bottom of the car, and these cars are so low, good luck. But next time you take it into a shop and you you do an oil change or something where the guy has a vehicle up on a rack, have them to check that little line and make sure it's clear. Uh, they make a spray that you can, with a, uh, about a six-inch uh, spray nozzle on the end of it, it goes up in there. It's a foam, and you can foam it from the bottom side up and just fill it up with that foam. 
and let it drain out, and it'll cut all. You won't believe what you see coming out of that to start with. But you'll get all the contamination. You'll get the uh, blockage out, and that thing will operate properly instead of you backing it up and putting it in your floorboard or any place else. Water is just like gasoline. It looks for the point of least resistance to climb out. So that's where it's going to go. But if you keep that clean, and also it will set a smell up inside the car, and even with your um, cabin air filter, it won't filter all of that out. So when you start smelling a musty smell, after you change that uh, filter, it should clear up in about 20 minutes. It should clear the inside with fresh air in about 20 minutes. If it don't, You've got another little issue, and it's probably or most likely that drain is not draining properly. It's partially plugged or it is plugged. So you can get that clean, too. Uh, You can go into Parker Automotive or Automotive Specialist or Simmons. When you're there, just say, hey, while that thing's getting an oil service, you want to check that one little bleed line coming out of that because normally we don't have to worry about the moisture in the air. Right now we do. It's already rained uh, almost a quarter of an inch here over the night. Actually, it's early this morning. And so and I come back in with my Honda yesterday, and it looked like I broke a radiator hose. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that stuff was all over the place. The water just running just like a spigot. And that told me that, one, my bleed-off is working. That brings on another thing. Don't get sidetracked. You see water under the car. The water that comes out of that drain hose is clear water. It does not have a green color. It does not have a brown color. It has a clear color. And that, and it comes out from just normally back to the, just the, the, toward the back of the engine, out of the bottom of the firewall on the right hand side. So if that's where it's coming from, that's most likely your water drain and it's working fine. But don't just make sure that you know where it's coming at. And if it comes down, it runs a little further back. It probably picked up a, a cross member or something like that. And now it's draining down on the ground. But uh, make sure that it's a clear water that's coming out of there. And maybe the other line that's coming in is like a brown color, which could be an antifreeze, or a green color, which could be an antifreeze. And so you want to make sure that what you're looking at is what you're supposed to be looking at, and it is a drain just from clear water coming out, and that's where it's going to show up. Even if it's got a, if it's got a partially dirty hose on the inside, it will still come out as clear water when it hits the sidewalk. And if it don't, you've got other issues. Look it up. All right. Now, GM, again, has a recall, 485,000 SUVs. They included Tahoes and stuff like that for General Motors. 21 and 22 models, GM seatbelt issues. It's Tahoes, Escalade, just about everything. Go to National Highway Transportation Safety Authority, put in your VIN number, and go to NH. T S A VIN dot com and you can find out if your vehicle is covered with a recall. Now last week I said there's something like 30 to 35% of the cars still running around with open recalls. A lot of them still have the uh, uh, 
uh, Takata airbags that are having issues and they haven't, there's active recall on your car and you haven't even taken it in to see if they've come up with a solution. You do not want that airbag going off premature. You do not want all the shrapnel coming out of the airbag when it does come out. And you want the airbag to actually work when it needs to work. That's the reason. It's a safety recall. It's something you need to pay attention to. So uh, get that checked out. But 485,000. We've already had Ford call, recall a bunch of vehicles, 2021, uh, 22s, that they couldn't get the lug nuts torqued on properly on the wheels, and the wheels come off. Uh, so now you got GM that uh, seat belt issues is all it said was seat belt issues. So that needs to be checked. So stay on stay on top of your recalls, people. They are there is a reason they're a safety recall. Okay. Um, another issue that we keep running across when I'm doing my research is decarbonization, decarbonizing is needed to ensure an engine's optimal functioning. It ensures the safe and smooth running of vehicles, improves the engine effectiveness, and keeps the vehicle in an overall good condition. Now, that's only part of the article, but that was the synopsis on the article. Uh, that's, That's what they said. Uh, and when I looked it up to see when do they recommend this? Approximately 18,000 miles. Okay. That also the players in that is driving conditions and engine runnability is a factor. And that if you've got a bad running engine, you're going to be building carbon up faster. If the vehicle runs normally about 20 minutes, it runs in closed loop long enough to burn clean. The recommendation from the manufacturer of the equipment is anywhere around 10,000 miles to 18,000 miles. So that's what I go by. Depends on where you drive it, how long you drive it in a closed loop, which means you drive it on a trip or you just drive it down to the Circle K. And that's what we have to keep in mind when we're doing this. If you pay attention to that, because the engine carbon, the soft carbons, if it is a combustible engine, if it has spark plugs in it, even the diesels, are, we're having to treat those things now. But you've got uh, a lot of stuff involved with this, and you have to stay on top of it to keep that vehicle running. Because when it takes you to the shop, whether it be over to Automotive Specialist or Parker Automotive or Simmons, if it takes you to that shop, that means it's your own its schedule, and it's going to be there for a while because it's already gotten so bad now that it's saying, okay, we need to do something. And that's something we don't know what it is at Simmons until you bring it in and we can find it, then we can fix it. And same way at Parker, same way at Automotive Specialist. So stay on top of this. Use the gas treatment at every oil change. That's that's in the owner's manual on the late model vehicles. I mean, it's funny because GM sent me a technical service bulletin here a couple of years ago. said, do not use additives in our engine. It comes back in two years and says, 
if your car is doing this, use engine additive, fuel additive number, part number on it. And now they're recommended that you put a can of gas treatment in these cars at every oil service. Some of your oil service says, well, you can go 10,000 miles. Not, I don't go 10,000 miles in Tucson, Arizona. If it says 10,000, I go 5,000. If it says 7,500, I go 5,000 on my diesel because it's got a heavier crankcase. It's got a, a bigger crankcase, has more oil in it. Therefore, you can't wear the additives out in the oil as quick as you can when you've got three and a half quarts of oil. So there's a reason for that. So go to severe duty. I'll tell you this again. And the reason I keep repeating it, because it's worth its weight in gold, literally worth its weight in gold. I did a recheck on cars that have over 1 million miles on them. Some of them had the engines replaced. Some of them had the transmissions replaced. But they still got over a million miles. The number one of all of them that have over a million miles from the guy that owns the vehicle said you must maintain these vehicles the way the at least the way the manufacturer says do it okay now if it says you live in a severe duty believe it or not the manufacturers has that built into this the warranty book and the recommendation on uh maintenance on a vehicle you cannot the warranty book and the owner's manual cannot put enough information in there based on so many different factors. It's just like electric vehicles. If you want to run 300 miles on an electric vehicle, and that's what it calls for in Tucson, Arizona, you can probably get away with it. But if you go where in North Dakota where the weather goes down to two below zero, you're not going to get 300 miles out of that electric car. It's the same thing. They cannot put, if they put the information in a car to go with every scenario that your car is going to be run through, you would have to have a forklift to take the book, just the, or it, it would all have to be computer because you couldn't get it all in the books. I mean, there's that many variables on this thing. And by the way, that uh, information to keep these vehicles running under warranty you have to follow what's in the owner's manual at least. You have to follow that or they'll void your warranty. It's just that simple. The vehicles are better built engine-wise, even though they got a lot of electronics that create a headache because there's variable factors on that. you got a computer rolling down the road with about 40-plus sensors in it that are computerized. And it's in a hostile environment. The temperatures on the hood can reach up to 275 degrees. And there's so much stuff sitting under the hood, you can't get the airflow through to keep it cooled down. That's the reason it's so hot. The reason I know it's 275 degrees. I think he went away. Yep. Anyways, he knows it's 275 degrees because when you open that hood, Put your head in there, you feel like you're in an oven. So, um, just the trick is make sure you guys take care of this stuff. So, <laughs> um, as far as um, well, what train of thought with Jerry was on right there, I guess I'll to think of uh, what he was trying to do. So, um, the uh, 
we'll have to um since we lost Jerry, you know what you know what we should do I'll tell you what we should do we should uh, do some of our sponsors cuz I I we haven't done our sponsors today so it's uh this portion of the show is brought to you by Ina Road Spectrum Auto Road Collision uh and see those guys if if you get uh, some vehicle in your in a collision Thank you. Oh, he's back on. <laughs> as well as uh, Parker. I told you the weather. I was actually anticipating that. <laughs> uh, and yes, you're. Uh, go ahead go with ahead. your Ida Road. I, I, Spectrum Ida Road collision. Well, you know, you kind of threw me off there. I was listening to you, and then you you went away, and I lost the train of thought. Sorry, this this is why you have a pro like Jerry do this, guys. Not not me. I'm I'm good at it when I when I'm on certain things. <laughs> You're doing fine. You're doing fine. Uh, Ina Rhodes. Ina Rhodes. Phone number seven four four forty four fifty four. But yeah, Jim nailed it right down Ina Rhodes. Ina Rhodes. Right <laughs> on. Right on. Forty four twenty five West Ina Road. Go see Javier. That's what I was trying to remember. Javier, go see Javier at Ina Road. Collision. Uh, he'll get you fixed up if you got a crash, or if you need something, or if you want to talk about paint. If you want to go talk about paint, go talk to Javier. He will educate you on paint. And you know, folks, there's nothing better than talking to a, a body shop guy about paint and paint care. I, I'm not kidding you. They really know their stuff. Absolutely. So if you want to talk about paint and how to take care of paint and what goes into paint and why paint costs three hundred and fifty dollars a gallon, go see him. They'll be happy. To, they'll be happy to discuss it with you, and you'll walk away with a new appreciation. That's that's the, that's what I can tell you about anybody in, 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 an expert in their field. Um, uh, so, uh, two minutes left. Um, this is Parker Automotive. We talked about Parker Automotive uh, on Speedway, Speedway, and Craycroft. I believe this is where they're at on the north side of the street. And go see Scott in there, and he can help you out if you have a uh, if you're on the east side of town. You need uh, some help with your vehicle, again, you can go in there and talk to them and ask them questions. They're happy to help you. Brian Fuller, automotive specialist up on Ina, up there, uh, Ina and Meredith. Go see Brian. He'll, you can call his cell phone. Go see Brian or go see Mitch. Walk in there and talk to those guys. They're happy to answer questions because, you know, part of what we do in our industry and my industry as well is education. And when you when when we feel that we've educated somebody to understand what we're trying to do, then then selling the repair isn't selling anymore because now you know what needs to be done. We're not we're not trying to talk you into something that you already need. We're just helping you underst- understand why you need it. Of course, we got Simmons Automotive over at Seaway, Country Club, and Aho guys. Just drive down out to Aho, north north of Aho. North of Ajo on Country Club, you'll see them right there. They're on the on the east side of the on the east side of uh, Country Club. Can't miss them. Big sign there, big big wire that runs into their building. I know because I knocked it down one day. So, other than that, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Lens Auto Brokers in the next hour. So take take a few minutes, take a break. We'll be right back here in two minutes. 